So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I have been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. All right, so we are spending summer looking at some of the stories that Jesus told, and uh, these are these are parables, amazing stories that uh, they both they sing, they make our hearts sing. They they have amazing truths in them, but some of these stories also have a bit of a sting to them, a bit of a sting in the tail or a twist that makes us think a little carefully. And uh, today's parable uh, makes me think a little bit of this quote, that art should comfort the disturbed and disturbed the comfortable. Today is very much about the comfortable being a little bit disturbed, a little bit, uh, a little bit of discomfort brought to those of us who might be feeling a little bit too comfortable. Uh, and uh, so we have a pretty, it's a pretty simple story really, there's, there's not a lot to it, there's a fig tree that uh, has been planted in a vineyard, uh, that in itself, why is, there a, why is there a fig tree in a vineyard, it's supposed to be for, for grapes, uh, this might be a little bit of companion planting it's called, so if you go out to the Yarra Valley and you see all the vineyards out there, you might often see a rose bush at the end of the lines of uh, vines. Uh, in, that, in that circumstance, the roses are there because they suffer from the same diseases as grapevines, but they show it early. So they're a bit of an early warning system for the, the people looking after the vines to go, oh no, there's a bit of disease on the way, we'll, we'll bring in some treatment. So that's companion planting uh, that people do now. So it might have been some companion planting where they put a fig tree in a vineyard because the fruit comes on at the same time. The figs and the grapes are produced at the same time and what it might have done is the birds and the pests would come and eat the fig and not the grapes. So it's a bit of like a sacrificial uh, tree to produce some fruit to uh, take the pests away and to preserve uh, the grapes that would then be used to produce wine, a very valuable uh, commodity. Maybe, we don't really know, we're not told in here, we're actually not told much, we're given no explanation uh, about this parable and it's a little bit confusing. There are some things that are very clear and uh, I've, br I've brought in um, uh, a fig tree of mine and you'll be pleased to know that you know, there's a lot of preparation that goes into a sermon, right? A lot. This is years in the making. This prop for this sermon, there's been, there's been years in this. This, is, this uh, fig tree has lived at three different properties. It's been dragged around and it is not in good condition. It really has not ever produced anything edible for us. 
and I'm really wondering why we are bothering with it at all. Now, it's probably my fault uh, for leaving it in a pot. I'm sure it would be much happier in the ground where there's more soil for its roots to spread out, get more nutrients. It probably dries out a whole lot in this pot. It doesn't get enough uh, water. And as you can see, it's in a very sad and sorry state. It can barely produce leaves and keep the leaves on, let alone putting out uh, some fruit. And, uh, there's, and that's what's happening in this parable. There's a, there's a tree, it's been put there for a reason, it's meant to produce fruit, and it's really just logic uh, going through this parable. This tree is there for a reason, it is not fulfilling its purpose, and so the owner is looking at it over a few years and then comes to the caretaker and says, look, it's not producing any fruit, cut it down. And there's an explanation there saying it's, it's using up the soil, like it's taking nutrients away from the grapevines, so they're losing out. Uh, so cut it down, get rid of it. But we see there a caretaker who says, no, no, give it one more year, and not just give it time, give it some love. So the caretaker wants to dig around in the soil, probably to aerate the soil, allow some more rain, moisture to get down into the roots. And he says, fertilize it, put some dung on it, put some, put some poop on that thing to give it some love. Uh, now, very simply, this tells us a very clear story about God. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. This is the comfort that it brings, this story, that it's an image of God giving more time. God wants to be patient. He wants to defy logic and say, no, 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 don't cut it down and not just give us more time, but to say, I'm gonna give you some love. Dig around in that soil. Allow more nutrients to get into your life so that it's not just all on you to go and, you know, be fruitful, but actually for God to bring some love to your life, to work in your life, and to allow that, uh, those nutrients to come in and to be brought into your life. So it's a pretty clear image about God. It's wonderful news about God, that He is patient, kind, He is loving, and this is consistent in the scriptures that we learn this about God. But it's not so clear about what this means for us. Why did Jesus tell this parable for us? What are we, spent, what are we supposed to learn here uh, when we are not given any explanation here? Well, I mean, firstly, uh, there is something for us to learn in that um, at, the, at the 9 a.m. service, uh, someone came in and uh, I was chatting to them and they saw the tree and she goes, see that tree? That's how I feel. <laughs> the good news is it doesn't matter how you feel on the outside. It doesn't matter how wonderful and successful your life is in an earthly sense. It doesn't matter how you look. This doesn't actually, those things don't define you. That's the good news of this parable. It's not your outward success that defines your life. Uh, there is something much more significant and deeper and meaningful going on. 
what we do learn about this parable actually comes before it. So there's a lead up to this story and there's a reason that Jesus tells this story. And so here's what comes beforehand. Here's the situation. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifice. So this, this is a horrible event. There is ter- there's a terrible news story where um, some Galileans, some people, some Jewish people had died at the hands of Pilate, the Roman governor at the time. Uh, something was going on and he decided to bring in force and he killed a whole lot of them. And not only did he kill them, not only did he shed their blood, but somehow their blood got mixed up with the sacrificial blood that they were using at the temple. It's a horrible, a horrible thing to happen, not only for the loss of their life, but in terms of the religious and the spiritual meaning that people would have taken from this. How could these humans' blood be mixed with these animal sacrifices and that blood? What, like, what is going on here? So that happened, and these people come to Jesus, and they want Jesus' commentary on it, you know, Big social news, big event, as a horrible tragedy. Jesus, what is this? What should we take from this? What does it mean for the temple? And Jesus sees what's going on in their heart and he shifts it. Here's what he says. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. We see in their heart, these people who bring the news report to Jesus, we see in their heart that they were perhaps thinking, you know, how do we deal with this situation, this horrible tragedy? Oh, maybe they were, they were, they were worse sinners than the rest of us. That's kind of how they're trying to deal with this. And Jesus says, no, it is not because they're worse sinners. They didn't, you know, earn this more than anyone else. I tell you, no, we are all in the same boat. But unless you all repent, you too will all perish. Everyone is in the same boat. And then he goes on and he brings in his own horrible event uh, to remind them and to make his point even louder. All those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. So a, a construction tragedy that killed 18 people. Do you think they were more guilty? Uh, the word there is more debtors. Uh, were they greater debtors? Did they have a greater debt in life than any of you? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. From there, he goes in to tell this parable about a fig tree in a vineyard. It's a little bit confusing. Why, how is he going from these into a parable about a figless tree? Uh, one commentator summarizes it like this, says, tragedy is hard and life is short, but life is more tragic if one does not turn to God. Jesus is saying here, that it was, it's horrible what happened to those Galileans and what Pilate did to them. It's horrible when the blood was mixed together. It's horrible that these people died in a construction tragedy. 
but there's bigger things going on. There are more significant things if we do not turn to God. Uh, Jesus is trying to lift our gaze. To lift our gaze. We get so caught up in uh, some of the day-to-day things. There was a, um, the Channel 7, I think it's the Channel 7 News tagline at the moment, is, is something like, now, more than ever, you need to know. <laughs> like, <laughs> now, more than ever, you need to know. Like, you need to be in the know, or something like that. Like, do I? <laughs> the, the, what they're implying is that, like, all these horrible news stories, and there are tragedies all the time, but we need to know about all of them all the time immediately. That's what they're trying to get us to do. And yes, we should, we should be praying about uh, people caught in tragedy. We should walk alongside those who are suffering. We should do what we can to love and serve those around us. But the idea that we must be so caught up in absolutely every single uh, earthly tragedy and political event, you know, uh, there was something, something going on in US politics in a house, speaker, something or other. Uh, that's one of those things where I've chosen to just not. Like, I don't need to care about that. And yet, my phone is trying to make me care about that. The news is trying to make me care about that. But I don't need to get caught up in that. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, says something along the lines of, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll miss out on both. That's a, you know, that's a great summary of many of Jesus' parables. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Our eyes need to be heavenward. Aim at heaven and all the earthly things will sort themselves out. But if we get so fixated on earth, we get so caught up in every tragedy, if we pursue the perishable, then we walk down a road that leads to perishing. But if you walk a road, when you aim at the imperishable, if we are so united in Jesus, who is imperishable, he is eternal, if we are united with him, then it doesn't matter how we look. On the outside, we might look like this. But if we are united in Jesus, if we repent from the road of perishable and move to the road of the imperishable, then we are a fruitful tree by God's grace. That is amazing news, wonderful news. There's a warning there, but it's wonderful news that God's gift to us is eternal life. Uh, So friends, do not live on borrowed time. That's the warning here, that there's another year given to the tree Logic is being uh, thrown out the window for a period of time. But that doesn't last forever. So don't live on borrowed time. Your attention, your attitude, and your actions can all be 
orientated towards the Lord Jesus, to live our lives for Him, to live love, to live sacrificially, to live in hope, to live a life of prayer, to live with eyes for eternity. May God bless you with wonderful fruit, fruit that lasts and great joy in all of that. Amen. Well, I invite you to take a moment now as um, we come to sing together. Maybe uh, take a moment in your heart now to, um, to repent. Anything that you need to leave behind in life, things that you've been chasing after, pursuing after those perishable things. Maybe they're good things but to take your heart off them and place your heart on the Lord Jesus and then we'll sing.